very warm welcome to our listeners on Behind the Deal, a new podcast series that explores the intricacies of venture capital world along with my co-host Vishnu Priya. Our first guest on the series is Mr. Sanjeev Agarwal, a man of very few words and many accolades. With close to two decades of experience in the world of venture capital, he needs no introduction. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Likewise, Ashish and Vishnu Priya, look forward to our chat. Great. So thank you so much for your time to kickstart our conversation. Sanjeev, you have, you know, worn several hats over your years in terms of being into corporate, reaching heights of corporate, being an entrepreneur yourself, and then being an investor. So uh, we really want to understand from you, you know, what motivated you to shift from being an entrepreneur to an investor, especially since you excelled as an executive and a founder. I think uh, my motivation to turn an investor, Ashish, was driven by the fact that now that I had been through this journey of entrepreneurship and learned a little bit about how to build a company, by being a venture investor, we could be useful with our learnings to prospective entrepreneurs that we fund. So that was the motivation that instead of being engaged only with one company deeply, uh, now you can have a breadth of uh, portfolio companies that you work with. Wow, very interesting. Um, I think uh, we at Behind the Deal were inclined to look at capital as a mixture of financial and knowledge capital, something you've spoken about with regard to Fundamentum as well as in your book. How would you view the idea of capital in today's changing economy and what is the method in which you try and incorporate it at both Helion as well as Fundamentum? I think that's that's a great point. And uh, as you rightly pointed out, Vishnu Priya, that capital is now available in abundance. And how could we make available our company building skills? Uh, be it across helping think through strategy or helping find high quality talent or helping navigate uh, inflection points. Those are some areas that investors can be very useful with uh, because as an investor, you can do a little bit of pattern matching uh, given that you work with multiple companies and not one. So I think that pattern matching allows investors to provide more than money and really touch a company uh, at multiple levels. Yet we have to be very careful that we do not uh, disempower the entrepreneur. So be involved as an advisor, as a mentor, as a sounding board, uh, but let uh, entrepreneurs run the company, but be available to them for things that are just covered. So Sanjeev, do you think in terms of uh, the access to cheap capital uh, is a good thing or a bad thing for the current ecosystem? No, I think uh, India opportunity is massive. And we are probably one of the last large market which is still to fully go digital across industries. 
and availability of uh, capital to fund these digitization process which is currently going on in our economy and which has touched industries like retail and uh, travel is a very good thing i think it allows uh, india to leapfrog into the next next generation economy and capital is always needed as a fuel to build companies uh, in a quick and efficient way so availability of capital is uh, i think is a testament to the confidence investors have in indian economy hmm. okay okay i i want to pick up one question from you know in your book from pony to unicorn you mentioned how at daksh you sort of have very clear strategies in mind for example to avoid sort of the boot deals build own operate transfer as an entrepreneur you know how do you suggest to avoid such short of temptation of short term revenues or from how do you guide your portfolio companies you know to have such clear mindset uh, to have such strategies or uh, visions in place i think uh, entrepreneurs today are very smart and we actually look for entrepreneurs who are building companies for long haul because it's very clear that value creation in india happens at least over one decade which is the time by which you can build a company which has strong foundation and uh, profitability so i think it is this uh, focus on long term which we have built into our entrepreneur selection process and then it gets reinforced through uh, board that what will build an enduring company is what we want to put our resources behind because revenue which is fickle which is not recurring doesn't create any value either for the customers or for the shareholders so i think first it is baked into our selection process and two it is reinforced day in and day out uh through the board process uh, that's how we make sure that entrepreneurs are building for long haul and boot example that you picked uh, is a is a very good one i think there is always temptation to do something mm-hmm. short term but that is where board and investors can help entrepreneurs to figure out what creates value and what does not so i think the for example in case of daksh the energy that you need to build long term revenue or short term revenue is still the same so then might as well allocate your resources to something which uh, stands good in long haul makes sense because ultimately i think that's a very good point to have a very strong board who can guide you because if you're running the operation in a day to day basis you tend to miss out the bigger picture so it's always good to have that sort of reinforcement coming through either investor or a board you know yes uh, yes. yes so in terms of value creation um, since you spoke about gauging the entrepreneur as an individual entity and not disempowering them as an investor or a guide uh, i felt that the indian investment scene has been quite obsessed and fascinated with this idea of unicorns 
so mm. in the in the day and age of this unicorn lust how important is it to identify that unicorn potential in a portfolio company or uh, is it all right to nurture a portfolio company to to the extent that you know that your return on return on investment is going to be till a certain point and it may not be the game changing company that you had in mind initially so how do you negotiate that dichotomy as well yeah i think it starts with to my mind building building a unicorn is not a bad idea because we all want to build scale businesses that have an impact on a particular sector so unicorn is you can say a metaphor for creating something scalable creating something that really matters and uh, the quest actually begins by looking for some mega trends which is what we cover in our book also and uh, when you come across some mega trends then putting capital behind those companies which are playing to those mega trends uh, can be a good thing because the trend itself provides lot of uh, momentum I, i'll give you an example of one of the uh, solar power producers in our portfolio company at helion it's called azure power and the company started operations in uh, 2008 if memory serves me right and for about 8 to 9 years that company was uh, in the middle zone they were not really breaking out of the pack and last year when esg investing which is investing in environmental friendly businesses uh, became a wave then the company got re-rated and in last one year the stock has gone up uh, four times so i think one criteria for us to uh, select companies that will scale is to pick companies that have that are catering to a mega trend so mega trends can be uh, you know urban transportation mega trends can be uh, clean energy uh, digitization of various industries like Uh, retail and uh, transportation or people going into plant based diets that that's a big trend so when you look at these trends and build a company around these trends uh, then there is a lot of support you get in terms of capital interest from prospective employees and customers so that is one filter that we apply uh, for example if anybody would be setting up a coal based power plant today that would be going totally against the trend of going uh, clean so you don't want to fund somebody who is going against the uh, trend the second piece is that what is the market size of that particular uh, idea for example take uh, our investment in big basket one of the very attractive aspects of big basket was that it was a 300 billion dollar market 
and largely all offline. So we said that even if the market goes digital in a very small way, you could still build a multi-billion dollar uh, company. So by putting the two M's, mega trend and market together and making a best estimate, that is this market in excess of $10 billion, uh, which we feel that if you become a leader in a $10 billion market, then you can potentially uh, create a very valuable billion dollar company. So Sanjeev, just picking on to on this thread only in terms of uh, the mega trends and unicorn. So in the book, you have mentioned of subscale markets in terms of the market depth is not enough in certain, certain verticals. What do you suggest them? What is the right time for them to focus into a particular core or to tap into adjacencies? How do they increase market reach? What do you suggest to them? I think this can play out in multiple ways. I'll give you an example of Dutch. When we started, our focus was on providing customer service via email because at that point in time, companies were uh, building internet-based properties like Amazon and Yahoo. And we thought that we could be providing the people platform to these companies to answer queries from their customers. And then internet went through a little bit of, I would say, a lull uh, post-2000 when Daksh was born. And then when we looked at an adjacency, we found a big one in terms of voice-based customer service. Every Fortune 500 company, whether it was a bank or a telco had voice-based customer service. And that was many times bigger than email-based customer service. So we very quickly uh, tapped into that opportunity and that gave us tremendous uh, scale. So I think one is if you find that you are in a niche and your ambition is to build a scale company, then that is one reason to start looking for adjacencies because adjacencies could be bigger than the core that you started out with. And then that could become your uh, new core. And the second piece is that when you see that growth is beginning to plateau in your uh, core market, then that is the time to uh, build adjacencies. It is also uh, a function of how you have designed your organization design. You could have a model where every market is led by a different business unit. And therefore, you could launch concurrent markets uh, in parallel uh, to satisfy your scale ambition. So I think those are the ways through which you can negotiate this uh, question about uh, which way to navigate the uh, business. And do you uh, frequently see in your portfolio companies also, if any example you want to share? Uh, In terms of uh, extensions? Yes. Yeah, I think um, many. In fact, almost all entrepreneurs are always searching for 
new markets and extensions a very good example that i can cite is uh, make my trip uh, which started as an airline uh, ticketing company and very quickly realized that airlines have their own ability to sell tickets also so they and they are very few in number so they will always be under margin pressure on how much commission they can keep on a ticket so i think make my trips uh, pivot to hotels is a very good example of capturing energy efficiency which turned out to be lot more valuable than the original market itself so i think that is an example uh, that is my favorite one that you can start at point b and then you can find that point a gives you point a gives you customers and then you make available additional set of services uh, to set up, satisfy the same customer that you are acquiring through your initial service in this in this case example being airline ticketing so companies are doing this all the time big basket which started out with Uh, mostly planned grocery shopping uh, added the daily uh, grocery as their extension and now that is a very rapidly growing uh, rapidly growing line of business serving the same customer so i think customer acquisition being so expensive and so hard one very good way of thinking about this is that to the same customer what are additional services that you can provide uh, where there are some synergies in terms of delivery and uh, that is how most of a portfolio companies are always looking at the next engine of growth makes sense go back a little when you talk about setting up daksh and uh, you've uh, spoken about entrepreneurship as rather adjacencies in that journey to be building a solar system so that you always have a navigating core but when you pivoted to the idea of investing in 2006 you were one of the first players in the indian venture capital scene so i'm very curious to know why did you pick venture cap as the next step and how did you nurture your interest at that point uh, was this also a conscious or rather an unconscious thought that was going on at the time that you wanted to pick a set of companies who were complementary to each other or was a lot of it just gut based actually when i was helping build daksh then through the course of building daksh i met lot of venture capitalists and daksh itself had had raised three rounds of financing from actis city group and general atlantic partners and all three were very blue chip uh, investors and while engaging them on the board i found that they had a very interesting world view so that was one attraction and second as i said earlier uh, that now i wanted to touch multiple companies with whatever i had learned in building of daksh and venture capital is a good platform to do so because my alternative would be to become a serial entrepreneur but then you are restricted to only impacting one business so i think the breadth which 
venture capital provided and the fact that we were an early mover uh, in the space so that was an advantage just the way we were early movers in uh, business process outsourcing with daksh so i think that was the motivation the experiential learnings interacting with vcs and and the fact that one can have a multiplier impact on many more companies uh, there was a very interesting chapter in your book uh, sanjeev where you have talked about there is a market called like winners take all market right typically yeah. the so social and mobile so where the network effects sort of come into the picture and then there is the other side of it where markets like enterprise business which creates multiple winners right. so my question is in terms of like two point the first is which is your preferred way you know which is your preferred market to invest in and the second is what do you think there are there has been a lot of questions which are coming globally also in terms of sustainable investment because ultimately in the winner take all market the it sort of the other place sort of die off or get acquired merged over but ultimately it has sort of a side effect into the entire economy or employment hiring valuations etc so it personally for you what is preferred choice where you want to participate is it winner take all market or in top, in terms of creating multiple winners and what do you see the future is to be you know my sense uh, ashish is that india is more like a multiple uh, participants in a particular industry because number one the companies that are catering to offerings like social or uh, messaging which become very viral tend to be originating from united states and uh, they don't have access to china so therefore they are very focused on uh, capturing india because that is where the large base of consumers is so i think uh, google search facebook uh, messenger uh, those uh, those kind of businesses are slightly hard to do from india also because of the fact that they are built on advertising revenues and india's uh, advertising industry doesn't really have depth i think all of advertising industry put together is maybe uh, 10 billion dollars hmm. so so therefore india will always be more a transaction led uh, digital economy which means that there is going to be a lot of friction uh, in being able to serve the customer because there are different types of customers there is geographic uh, dispersion and and each market segment is different so per se india is going to yield multiple uh, winners also because our ecosystem is such that we have three four types of players there are global players like amazon and then there were homegrown entrepreneurs like flipkart before it got acquired by walmart and then there are these uh, uh, indian business houses like reliance so i think uh, india being a very open market will always see 
players coming from multiple uh, ecosystems and all these ecosystems will uh, coexist so while they will not be winner take it all markets but i think leaders will certainly have disproportionate uh, market capitalization and our uh, job as investors is to find those companies that have the ability to become a leader in a large market that is how we can deliver great returns uh, to people who invest their funds with us so that's how we think about it that india is more uh, many winners in a market winners coming from multiple ecosystems yet there is value in picking the leader and and that is the skill that we are trying to develop over years that do we back the right entrepreneurs in the right markets that can become leaders in their industries so just like a follow up on this so doesn't the friction or the local challenges create a scaling problem yes they do and they also become entry barriers so for example delivering grocery uh, taking produce from the farmer and making available to a consumer uh, the same day or growing apples in himachal and making them available in bombay the same day if one can master these supply chains uh, then uh, those are very strong moats so friction works in both the directions it's it's a barrier to scale but it's also a barrier to entry and you need very high quality execution to be able to navigate markets which have a lot of friction so when you talk about scaling in a market for any company uh in the pandemic we've seen that a lot of competition uh, to indian apps or indian homegrown brands such as um sharechat uh was I, i think the government really assisted us or rather the government really assisted them by banning chinese applications and that may have been a geopolitical move on their part uh we haven't come across an indian brand that has the same global presence as a google or an amazon across yes. continents uh do you think this nationalization would enable that global presence or are we still going to be squabbling amongst each other especially when you see small brands being taken over by large conglomerates uh, for example the recent acquisition of akash institute by byju's uh, yeah that had a local presence but byju's taking it over gives it a more standardized appearance and process uh, how do you see the indian market gaining a global presence through its homegrown brands if it's even possible i think it's beginning to happen uh, vishnu priya good example would be oyo which started as a hotels brand in the indian market and then has gone on to build presence in uh, china in north america so i think that is uh, one example the second piece is it's happening at a furious pace in the enterprise software sector where companies like freshdesk which came out of india but are serving global enterprise uh, customers so india always had a very strong brand for global services from india like an infosys or tcs 
but now we are also seeing early days of consumer companies uh, one of our own portfolio company in helion called lift space uh, for example which does uh, home interiors uh, has started from india and now has progressed to uh, singapore and other south asian markets so we are in the early days of uh, globalization of indian enterprise where there are proven models that come from software services but now beginning to transcend into software and consumer internet uh, which is very good news for uh, i think our startups going to the next level but but sanjeev doesn't it you know in terms of as you mentioned correctly in terms of software service enterprise it's 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 much an easier ball game because uh, scaling software is much easier task than for example scaling a brand like oyo where there are more physical components to it yeah. uh, don't you feel it's much more difficult to create apart from the software enterprise space yes it's much harder and it also uh, is a lower priority item because of the fact that india's own domestic consumption is a large part of our gdp so when you have such an attractive home market you do want to first penetrate that market and then you begin to uh, go global so i think that is the other dynamic that our own market is very attractive and very large and very scalable but i think now the time has come that when you are building for india you are building for the globe and uh, things that are challenging are also the things that create modes for you as we were talking in some other uh, question that you had few minutes right. back mm-hmm. so i think uh, all these are modes how to build a global company with one format Uh, and do to the world what googles and amazons are doing to india today i feel that entrepreneurs do have that ambition and many of them want to go global uh, but you're right consumer brands are much harder to build than enterprise uh, companies for both the reasons that i just mentioned that for consumer brands india is very attractive because it is massive and uh, i think understanding consumer behavior in different markets is not easy so it does take some time before you can penetrate those markets so following up on that you mentioned that the demographic in india because consumer brand would be catering to a particular taste and the intersectionality in our country is so diverse that it's very difficult to cater to uh, very difficult for one company to cater all requirements is there another marketplace or a growing economy that uh, can offer complementary growth for homegrown brands in india yes and does your portfolio are there any companies in your portfolio uh, as of present who are exploring similar options you know i think lot of our companies look at uh, i think you can look at two uh, subsets one is the 
Latin America, which is markets like Brazil. And then other one you can look at is the uh, Southeast Asia markets like uh, Indonesia. So these uh, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, these are markets which are more amenable to uh, proximity to the Indian consumer in that that they are both very, they are all very value-oriented markets and dom domestic consumption is uh, rising. And as I said, from our portfolio, Lift Space is one of the early days, uh, early one of the early companies to have penetrated Singapore very effectively. And it's only a matter of time before they start serving other markets. So that's how we are thinking. I think also Middle East. So Middle East, Latin America, uh, South Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, those markets would be very relevant to the to the expansion needs of the companies which have built for India. So Sanjeev, coming to one of my favorite chapters in the book, alternative to big go big cannot be go home. I think it yeah. was a very interesting chapter where you have sort of discussed the growth and profit dichotomy. So I wanted to understand from you, there is the trend is sort of continuing where the focus is on user acquisition and the story still goes in terms of somehow the monetization will happen. Right. Uh, for example, you know, companies like Cred or there are many more other companies, for example, which are still in the sort of same boat where the monetization is still not so clear what will be the ways to do it. So what are your thoughts in it? What can be done to achieve a balance between growth and profit? I think uh, this is happening in waves. So let's look at companies that were built in the first wave, say circa uh, 2005 onwards. Mm -hmm. When companies like Flipkart, Make My Trip, uh, they all came into being. And those companies, I think the first important metric is to establish a product market fit, which is by delivering a great customer experience. Uh, the second element is setting up strong unit economics. So that at every transaction level, you uh, you are profitable. Mm -hmm. And then the third piece is that you uh, have dominant market share. And then fourth, you start to look at absolute profitability at, at an EBITDA level. So I think companies in different waves are at different stages. Now companies like Flipkart, Nokri, Make My Trip, uh, these companies which have had vintage of 10 plus years, uh, they are very focused on uh, profitable growth. While the new companies, uh, the fintech companies, the edtech companies, uh, which are uh, of recent vintage, are still figuring out the product market fit and unit economics and uh, customer experience. So my sense is that in India, it takes about a decade to get your business foundation right. Foundation would mean those things like 
इकोनॉमिक्स कस्टमर एक्सपीरियंस एंड मार्केट शेयर एंड देन द नेक्स्ट टेन इयर्स आर रियली मोर अराउंड ऑप्टिमाइजेशन ऑफ प्रॉफिट टेकिंग अ कंपनी पब्लिक कैप्चरिंग एडजेसेंसीज सो इट्स कमिंग इन वेव्स वन सेट ऑफ कंपनीज आर लुकिंग टू टर्न प्रॉफिटेबल and the other set of companies are trying to become market leaders before they look for uh, profitability which is the right sequence actually so do you think there is still there is appetite in the market for loss making businesses after the pandemic and everything sort of happened uh, in terms of investors are looking for that sort of story like that story is still working in terms of okay we are showing loss of like next say 5 years or 6 years or decade as you mentioned uh, so yeah. the, the appetite is still there yes especially if the price is large if if you are building a company which can be in billions of dollars of market capitalization then investors would look at your gross margins more than they would look for absolute profitability and if you are building a good gross margin business and you are participating in a large market uh, then A lot of capital is available for that because capital is not looking for immediate profitability, but a but towards a path to profitability. So if you can show conviction around a part of a part of your business going profitable, then I think they can extrapolate that to the larger business and part with capital. Yes. So I think the short answer is yes. The capital is available to entrepreneurs who are building companies in large markets so you have also routinely mentioned that one of the litmus tests uh, in gauging the success or viability for companies the team and you often look at it through the lens of brahma and vishnu the visionary and the executive uh, i'm just wondering in the investing business uh, how important have your partnerships been in this process especially since you started a new fund with Mr Nandan Nilekani yeah learnings with your partner Mr Gupta at Helion and now with Mr Nandan at who has a remarkable past at Infosys now at Fundamentum yeah actually i think uh, brahma and vishnu is actually very appropriate in the context of a company may not be so much relevant in the context of a fund so uh, the book actually focuses on so many examples where you find that there is one person who is external forward looking uh, market oriented executive and then there is the second person who focuses on execution minding the store delivering great customer experience so when this union happens uh, then great companies uh, get built i think in case of uh, venture firms all of us need to have uh, those skills by ourselves uh, because we all work in a partnership but we also have our own uh, set of companies that we have to nurture independently so there i think uh, my principle which also applies to companies is look for somebody who has very aligned value system uh, 
and uh, with whom i have strong uh, chemistry i think those two and somebody who has uh, strong first principles thinking so that one can navigate uh, ambiguities of uh, a young business so i think when these three three four things uh, come together uh, then one is able to construct useful partnerships and uh, those are the things that one is looking for uh, in partners in a in a company context i think you are looking more for complementarity uh, than uh, duplication of skills so you mentioned in the book in terms of the evolution of founder from a smart and hard working to smart and lazy so lazy just to clarify to all the listeners in terms of lazy doesn't mean lazy per se but in terms of thing that matters and delegating the rest of the activities a sort of a shift from becoming a staff officer to a field commander but uh, as founders and entrepreneur i mean you must have seen it is it becomes difficult to lose control there is always this fomo of missing it out so how does someone go about that that sort of working smart and lazy i think by hiring people smarter than you so first phase i think when you are going through product market fit uh you want to be involved very very closely because you are trying to shape your venture but i think once the product market fit is established then that's the time to let go by hiring very very smart people in daksh what we did was we broke the company into multiple business units and then hired a ceo for each uh, business unit who was accountable for uh, profitable uh, profitability and then your job is to multiply the number of business units uh, that can be there which are finding adjacencies fundraising leadership recruitment so you basically keep elevating yourself to doing things that have a multiplier impact on the business and uh, disengage from transactional excellence uh, in the phase once the product market fit is uh, established and you do that by getting very very smart people who can probably run a business unit better than uh you can but at the same time have a very tight governance process so you you recruit smart people you empower them you don't come in the way mm-hmm. but but you have a very good review system uh, that tells you that things are under th- things are executing the way they were pro- supposed to be and if there are any course corrections uh, to be made so i think that's the difference between abdication and delegation you always want to have a very tight uh, review mechanism and in terms of you know uh, you mentioned what got you here will not get you there what sort of things you're looking to do differently at from investing perspective at fundament actually a lot of these things that i write in the book are more oriented towards a company than a hmm than a venture capital firm mm-hmm. in our case actually it probably works differently in that 
you just have to do more of same mm. and when you do more of same then you develop a pattern matching ability that helps you pick uh, winners with greater precision so in our case we shouldn't be making too many changes to our uh, strategy i think strategy is very well understood already and quite well ingrained now it's all about executional excellence which is around picking high quality entrepreneurs with low error rates that is what we are all the time uh, striving for so it's too early for my, for us to get into any adjacencies mm-hmm. because our our own market is very attractive and very large and uh, we are learning how to be good investors uh, continuously so that our error rate is minimized so when you talk about a uh, hiring the right people or hiring or going into business be it investing or entrepreneurship with people who have the right value system is there an investor or a vc fund globally that you've looked up to for the for the manner in which they've conducted their tenure as a company or their leadership style or their investing strategy be it personal or professional and if yes how have you tried to imbibe that with both helion your personal investing as well as now fundamental you know one uh, firm that was a mentor to us is called sutter hill ventures and uh, they actually helped helion get off the ground and they are a firm with about they are probably one of the oldest firms in silicon valley very low profile and uh, their focus is very strongly driven by the quality of entrepreneur so i think that we find is probably what makes all the difference uh, between a good investment and a bad investment because if an entrepreneur is strong and he's caught in a bad market he will pivot but the other way around won't happen so i think they have certainly helped us uh, amplify the impact of picking the right entrepreneur and doing it very consistently across a very very long period so i guess those are the uh, folks that we look up to uh, as our mentors and sanjeev what are your thoughts about on incubators and the other sort of programs uh, that have come up recently in india also i mean there are many other programs which are coming up so what are your thought process on that incubation and all these such programs i think all these uh, early stage uh, ecosystems whether it is seed funds or incubators uh, or mid stage firms like us go on or late stage firms that invest post ipo i think all this really completes our ecosystem because uh, each one is dependent on the uh, next stage uh, for the eventual result to come through so i think these uh, incubators and accelerators are playing a very 
vital part of shortening the learning curve of the entrepreneur and uh, and therefore it becomes easier for early stage vcs to uh, pick entrepreneurs that have already done a lot of thinking about how to grow their venture so they they play a very important role i think very important part of the ecosystem so what is your take on these sort of big multipliers which in indian ecosystem we are now seeing coming up a lot i think rich rich valuations are quite uh, cyclical and there will be peaks and troughs in the valuation i think right now we might be at the uh, top of the market but i think if you can build a company that commands rich valuation then that's a very big competitive advantage a good example is uh, byju's potential acquisition of akash because they are already valued at 10 billion dollars they can use their stock to acquire uh, companies very effectively so i think valuation being a public company all these are massive massive moats uh, that are very useful for an entrepreneur uh, to continue to attain scale and potentially uh, mega scale so they do play they do play a role as long as you know how to use it effectively you can also uh, get carried away in terms of raising a lot of capital at high valuations and then end up burning a lot of money in marketing without attaining the product market fit so i think that is the bad side of valuations but otherwise if you're building a good fundamentally strong business with good margins market leadership strong customer experience then those businesses will attract good valuation and then that valuation is a very good tool to create further separation from the peers in your industry so it's it's a very important tool i won't uh, undermine at all the importance of uh, valuation see mention cyclicity to be one of the factors in quite a few interviews just curious to know where do you think the future of entrepreneurship in india is at at the moment is it going to lie with that company that's targeting converting from 0 to 1 or scaling from 1 to 10 and do you have um, and do you have your eye on uh, some underdog company at the moment which shows tremendous potential in the future i think uh, one sector i can talk at sectoral level is uh, agriculture agri tech which is probably where a lot of interesting companies will come about because that's a very very large opportunity given how much of our gdp is tied to agriculture and so far technology has not really impacted that sector in any uh, meaningful way but i think the digital journey for indian economy is still very early 
uh, even places like uh, online retail i think the penetration of digital is only in single digits so i think we are very early uh, especially in, in the phase of tech entrepreneurship and uh, much more value will get created through uh, tech ecosystems that we are all a uh, part of so i would say what we have seen is just a pilot the real value creation when 100 billion dollar companies get created uh, will happen in next uh, 10 20 years and the way india's transaction economy the Uh, the upi the india stack the uh, high quality 4g potentially 5g networks i think all these are uh, creating very good foundation on top of which you can build valuable uh, companies so as they say the rails are in place and now one can put trains on top of those so picking up from uh, your last line when it comes to this just being the trailer to what might be a very eventful journey i was just wondering how wise would it be for the indian entrepreneurship scene to map itself out uh, along the lines of what the west has already done so for example we had an uber we had an ola in india to compete right. with the same went for flipkart and amazon uh, i I might be wrong, but I was just wondering if there's a need for vernacular needs to be addressed through vernacular solutions. If yes, uh, how should an entrepreneur pace themselves to ensure that we don't fall into a colonial hangover of sorts or this lust for the West, especially when we're trying to solve problems that might not exist in our own market? No, I think that's that's a great question. And if you see the next opportunity is next India. and next india is all about the next 400 million 500 million people who have come on to the internet and have not started transacting yet so all those business models will be very home grown and the replication strategy will not work you should also be aware that to building a replica in india is not easy because lot of digital infrastructure is also being built up concurrently so companies like flipkart and all had to build their own uh, logistics build their own payment systems uh, because those uh, those industries were not as evolved then so i think uh it is still it takes a lot of doing even to build a replica business in the country so i won't undermine their uh, achievements but next 400 million consumers will need very uniquely indian uh, solutions and that will be a big competitive advantage for indian entrepreneurs vis-a-vis global companies that they know the consumer lot more intimately and therefore uh, can find effective solutions for uniquely india problems oh uh, that was wonderful sanjeev in terms of all the insights 
all the different learning you had i like to ask you if you were to start again uh, yeah. what what aspect of in your journey would you be, would you have done differently or sort of the deals which you sort of wanted to have or didn't have you know what sort of things you would have done differently learning from your entire journey till now you know i i think as an entrepreneur one lever that i missed totally was that of acquisitions so that was purely built on organic growth but now i realize that lot of adjacencies new lines of business you don't have to uh, reinvent you can acquire and build on top of that so that is one learning from an entrepreneur uh, standpoint and i see that current uh, entrepreneurs are very good at thinking and scanning the entire environment and constantly looking for companies that they can uh, buy i think as as an as an investor it is more really a bit by bit learning that how your pattern matching becomes more efficient and more uh, effective so that is actually that is a very very long cycle of uh, learning so i think that probably i wouldn't do uh, very differently except that i now gravitate more towards mid stage investing than very early stage because i realize i enjoy scaling more than starting so that is how that is a difference between helion and fundamentum uh, that fundamentum is more aligned to building long lasting companies but investing in companies where the early stage has already been traversed and now it's time to accelerate and any deals or uh, as an investor you know any deals previously which sort of you missed and uh, which you wished you had done previously oh, yeah. any such so, so many that the list is so long that you, you will get bored but i think we will of course regret missing flipkart and uh, we also uh, were in were in the right space which is uh, taxi aggregation uh, but ola did better than our portfolio company uh, taxi for sure so but i think that's the nature of the beast that you will always end up missing several because you are not the only one participating in the market so i think investing it's more about your continuous improvement journey how you are getting better with every passing day and so as somebody who's been in this uh, field as a legend now with about 20 close to 20 years of experience what would you say is your vision for the future of investing in india uh, in the west one of the big positives is that if you have an idea and a reasonable amount of resources you have an incubator that helps you turn your idea to a product these infrastructural changes that might support an entrepreneurial support system currently remain a miss uh, how would you want to see that changing how are you assisting that movement and uh, just your vision for the future i think uh, the area that personally i can 
add value and where fundamentum can add value is really uh, that India is pretty good at zero to one, but probably uh, not yet proven on one to ten. So having had the advantage of seeing companies like Make My Trip, Big Basket, Farm Easy, we basically feel that that is where we can be of most use to entrepreneurs how to traverse the journey of scaling up from 1 to 10, which is, which is our contribution to the startup ecosystem. And no better than somebody like Nandan who's built institutions of mega, mega scale like Infosys and Aadhaar. So I think we have very good quality partnership in place to deliver on our promise. Wonderful, wonderful. That was uh, absolutely amazing, Sanjeev. Thank you uh, so much for your time and coming over to Behind the Deal. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, I'm sure listener will definitely, all the listeners will definitely enjoy uh, this podcast. Thank you, Ashish. Thank you, Vishnu Priya.